Hi, everyone. Before we get going this week on the 416 Sports Show, I want to apologize for some audio issues that I had this week. Uh, was tinkering around with some settings after the fact last week. Apparently this week inadvertently recorded the show through my laptop's internal microphone and not the external microphone that I use that gives such good uh, audio quality. So uh, the audio is a little bit hot this week uh, and kind of all over the place. So um, I apologize for that. Uh, And now that I know what the issue was, uh, we'll be able to get things sorted out for next week. So uh, again, bear with me. I apologize. And now here is this week's episode of the 416 Sports Show. Is Kawhi Leonard the best player in Raptors history? Of course, that's an extremely loaded question, even without qualifying what criteria should be used to answer it, and not to mention the fact we won't have a true measure of his impact until the conclusion of this season, whenever and however it ends. Let's not even consider the fact he likely won't return next year. But through the team's first 10 games, of which he's played only 7, his impact on the roster, through both his own play and the play of his peers, feels profoundly different than any other Raptors team we've ever seen. Yes, there have been greats here before, and you can argue the impact of Carter, Bosch, DeRozan, and the franchise's Mount Rushmore, but it's clear Kawhi is on another level. His fingerprints are all over the game at both ends of the court, and in the early going, he is a legitimate MVP candidate. I've said all along, this whole thing can't be truly evaluated until we see how far the team goes in the playoffs. Maybe I'm being fooled again. But this time, it truly does feel like the Raptors are finally for real in the conversation of NBA title contenders. And that's thanks in large part to Kawhi Leonard. Hello, hello. Welcome to the 416 Sports Show. It's Monday, November 5th, 2018. I'm Matt Antonio. You can find me on Twitter at Nick, D-I underscore N-I-C. 4 and 6 Sports Show available for streaming and download on SoundCloud, iTunes, on Google, wherever else you find your podcast. Please uh, leave a rating, a review, a like, five stars if you please, uh, and pass along as a recommendation to anybody who you think might be interested in following the 416 Sports Show. It was a, a good busy week for the Raptors, uh, a good end to the week for the Leafs after a, a stumble at the beginning. Uh, and we will get into all of that, but we are going to begin uh, this week with the Toronto Raptors, and why not? They are uh, tied for first place in the NBA. They currently sit at 9-1 and one at the time of this recording on Monday afternoon. They will play again this evening against the Utah Jazz, so uh, perhaps by the time you listen to this, uh, they will be 10-1 and one or 9-2. and two. But either way, they are tied with the Golden State Warriors for the best record in the National Basketball Association right now. They are number two in the power rankings from TheAthletic.com, trailing only, only the Golden State Warriors. Uh, they are on a three-game winning streak right now after uh, losing to the Milwaukee Bucks uh, last week on Monday in a game that did not feature Kawhi Leonard, who was being rested on the first night of a back-to-back. Uh, and that game also did not feature uh, OG Ananobi for the Raptors, did not, finish, fit, did not feature excuse me, Giannis Atercumbo for the Milwaukee Bucks. So uh, kind of a game that I guess you could say could be thrown out for the Raptors. Uh, It's the only game they've lost, so they probably have thrown it out already. Um, But if those teams meet uh, eventually in the playoffs, I don't think we're going to really be uh, examining the tape of that matchup all that closely. Uh, But following that loss in Milwaukee on Monday, it was back home on Tuesday and a resounding victory over the Philadelphia 76ers, a team that they very well might face in the uh, second round of the NBA playoffs this year. And they dominated that that game pretty much from start to finish. Uh, 
huge lead at halftime and, and pretty much throughout. So a, a good, strong showing at home for the Raptors against the 76ers. Uh, and then didn't have their best effort on Friday night in Phoenix, but they, uh, on the strength of Kawhi Leonard, came back uh, and won the game. Uh, and picked up their second consecutive victory. That was a win over the Suns. And then on Sunday night, uh, something that the Raptors uh, and their fans are, are really not used to seeing, they uh, dismantled a LeBron James-led team. And the first time they saw LeBron James as a member of the Los Angeles Lakers, and they uh, they dominated uh, for most of the game. Ended up getting a little bit closer in the fourth quarter than you would have liked. Um, but at the end of the first quarter, they were up 41-17. Uh, to 17. Uh, I believe was was a score. It was a dominant first quarter, especially from Serge Ibaka, who had 20 points in that opening frame. He outscored the Lakers in the first quarter en route to a career-high 34 points. And at one point on Sunday night, stretching back to the game in Phoenix on Friday, he had made con- 18 consecutive shots. And the last player to hit 18 consecutive field goal attempts is Wilt Chamberlain until Serge Ibaka over Friday and Sunday. So to give you an idea of how good Serge Ibaka is playing right now, he's being listed in conversations and stats with Will Chamberlain. Uh, and that's that's the kind of the type of season that it's been for the Raptors. A lot of things are clicking. We did see an area of concern in that game on Sunday night. Uh, when Nick Nurse went to a, an all-bench unit down the stretch to cr- try and close things out and rest his starters on the first night of a back-to-back, and a group uh, led largely by Fred Van Vliet, C.J. Miles, Norm Powell, all three of them really struggled to, to find some scoring on Sunday night, and the Lakers went on a bit of a run and closed the gap to 14 with four minutes left, and that forced Nurse to bring some of the starters back into the game, uh, which... You know, on the, like I said, on the first night of a back-to-back, that's not ideal. You'd, you'd love to be able to have rested them for the entire fourth quarter and take those minutes off and keep them fresh for this uh, game against the Jazz on Monday evening. Uh, but alas, that was not the case. But like I said, it just it does highlight one area of the team that's not quite firing on all cylinders just yet, and, and they've really only had a couple of games, maybe one or two games, where they've had their, I think Phoenix is probably the only game so far, where they've had the full roster available. Um, and so I, we I mentioned this last week. They're still trying to find out, you know, what that rotation is going to be past the first unit. What's the second unit really going to look like? Who's going to get more minutes? Um, and it's a concern if Van Vliet, Miles, and Powell are going to struggle like they did on Sunday. It's probably not going to. Um, they're probably not going to struggle that badly as they did on Sunday on every night. Um, but it, it just does highlight that the, the second unit is still a bit of a work in progress, and it, it's going to be an area to keep an eye on for, um, you know, times if, if they want to run those all-bench units and, and, you know, units that don't contain either Lowry or Kawhi Leonard or on nights when Leonard is going to be out of the lineup because we know that that's going to be the case. should mention, uh, if you were unaware, Kawhi Leonard did not play on Sunday in Los Angeles against the Lakers uh, because of an ankle injury. Uh, he is a game-time decision for Monday. Uh, and so uh, everyone is hopeful that he'll be able to get back in the lineup Monday in Utah, uh, and certainly not if then, then by Wednesday evening in Sacramento when they wrap up this four-game road trip. Um, and obviously there was, you know, some concerns all offseason about Kawhi's health, um, but when he's been on the court so far, he's he's been fantastic. As I mentioned in the opener, he is, he is a legitimate MVP contender right now, and um, he is he is just dominating 
both sides of the ball. He made Ben Simmons look foolish on many occasions on Tuesday night at Scotiabank Arena when the 76ers were here. Simmons turned the ball over like 10 times in that game. Now, not all of them were Kawhi's doing, but there were a number where Kawhi just took the ball away from him. And the Raptors have not had a, a star player on that level defensively in, in quite some time, if ever. And that's why I mentioned off the top, is he the best Raptor ever? That's, that's not a debate we need to definitively come to an answer to today. Um, but I think the fact that, that it's even a legitimate question that we're wanting to talk about it, and of course I will only do a 30-minute podcast here. If we had a, a full three-hour radio show, perhaps we'd de- dedicate a whole segment to it. But his impact, not only on on his play, but like I, like I said, the way that the other players on the floor can play because of what he does uh, is monumental. And that's why I think that this Raptors team is truly different than what we've seen in the last two or three years. Now, of course, this is the third or fourth year in a row that we're saying that and that we're giving an excuse of why it's different or, or a reason of why it's different. Uh, but this organization has not had a Kawhi Leonard in all of that time. They've had very good players, but I don't think they've had great players to the extent that they've got Kawhi Leonard right now. And he makes the whole rest of the team better. You look at how Kyle Lowry can play, uh, Sunday night, an eighth consecutive game with 10-plus assists. Finished with 15. He had nine in the first quarter. Uh, and even without Kawhi Leonard, uh, the Raptors held LeBron James to 18 points on Sunday night. The fewest he's had against the Raptors since November of 2011. So seven years since LeBron was held to a number that low against the Raptors. He always dominates the Raptors. And of course, it's a regular season game, and it's, you know, the Lakers are a team that are still very much figuring things out. They were on the second night of a back-to-back, but um, it's, 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 it's really encouraging if you're, a, if you're a Raptors fan. It really, really, really is. Um, now it's just a matter of making sure that Kawhi is healthy, but even the games where he, where he hasn't played, like I said, Monday, that game in, in Milwaukee, he wasn't playing, and and they were all out of sorts, and, and they lost their only loss of the season. Uh, but Sunday night's game has to make you feel uh, encouraged that should he miss a, a, a big length of, or a long stretch of games, um, that they're not totally screwed. Uh, and the impact that he's he's having, or you know, imagine, you have to imagine that he's having an impact on the young players like OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam, um, make you feel that they would be, you know, set up to survive an extended absence, I guess is the, is the best way to put it. Uh, and you continue to look at what Pascal Siakam does, another double-double on Sunday evening, uh, and the fact that the Raptors were able to keep both him and OG Ananobi in that trade with the Spurs just continues to look like larceny. Uh, and again, I think I've said this last week, nothing against Jakob Pertl, very good player, very good young man, but Siakam and Ananobi have the potential to be much better than Jakob Pertl. And moving Pertl out allowed the Raptors to to uh, have Ibaka and Valanciunas as that one-two rotation at the center position. So just a ripple-down effect that trade has continued to have on the roster uh, is why the Raptors are in the position they are right now. As I mentioned, 9-1. Very good shot to be 10-1. By the time we wake up on Tuesday morning, perhaps by the time you're listening to this, already 10-1. Uh, it's the best start in franchise history. 
and uh, it it certainly does just seem like like we're scratching the surface here with this team. Uh, I, I'm not sure that Milwaukee game aside, there has not yet been a test that they failed. Uh, and two home games against other Eastern Conference contenders, the Celtics and the 76ers, and they've come out and whacked them both. And uh, looking at their schedule, when's the next you know real tough game on the on the docket this week they've got Utah on Monday, Sacramento on Wednesday, the Knicks on Saturday back at home, um, the Pelicans on Monday night next week. That's that should be a good good test. Anthony Davis certainly a, a potential MVP candidate as well. The Pistons and Dwayne Casey use a return to town on the 14th. Uh, then they then they hit the road and a couple of tough games there. Then they they go to Boston. Um, but that's still not for another week and a half. They got another five games between them. They could they could be fourteen and one by the time they go to Boston on the sixteenth. Uh, I'm not guaranteeing that, by the way. But it's it's not out of the realm of possibility um, that that that's what we could be looking at. Um, and the Raptors uh, continue to enjoy early season success, uh, and I'm buying in. Are you? I'm not sure how the the rest of the fan base feels about this, but. Um, I'm, I'm quickly, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, I'm jumping back on the bat. I didn't really jump off the bandwagon, but I'm, I'm fastening my seatbelt, I'm securing myself on this, this bandwagon, on this, this train ride that will be the Toronto Raptors 18-19 season, and I'm not going anywhere, I suggest you join me on board, it is going to be a hell of a ride. Moving over to the ice, the Toronto Maple Leafs had a, a, a very uneven week. And three vastly different results in their first three games without Austin Matthews. Monday night against the Calgary Flames, they were pretty much outplayed and they lost. Then on Thursday against the Dallas Stars, they were the more dominant team and they still lost. And then on Saturday night, on the road, they were the dominant team and they won. A convincing 5-0 victory over the Pittsburgh Penguins in Pittsburgh. And it just continues to confuse and amaze me how the Leafs look like a different team on the road this year. They are now 6-0 as the guests this year. And they have lost three in a row on home... Or, uh, sorry, they've lost two in a row on home ice. Um... But if you take away that last 10 minutes uh, of that game against Winnipeg, they're very close to being a, on a five-game home losing streak. Uh, of course, they won that, that game against uh, Winnipeg, so that game is kind of in the middle of two two-game home losing streaks. Uh, and so overall, they are we got one, two. They've only got three home ice victories this season, and they've lost. One, two, three, four, five times. So they're three and five at home this year, six and zero oh on the road, and their last three games on the road at Pittsburgh, at Winnipeg, at Washington, and they've won all three of those by a combined score of thirteen to four. Uh, it really just doesn't make a lot of sense why this team is so good on the road and why they they struggle to score goals at home. They have gone five consecutive home games without a goal in the first two periods of the game. Five consecutive games. 
That game against Dallas, the game against Calgary, the game against Winnipeg, St. Louis, and Pittsburgh. Five consecutive games only scoring in the third period at home. The last time they scored a goal outside of the third period at home was three weeks ago today when they beat the LA Kings 4-1. It's a, it's a mind-boggling stat. And you have to wonder, is it going to be that inconsistent without Austin Matthews all month? He returned to practice on Monday. Not really practice. He skated before practice. He was doing some work with the skills coach and the skating coach. Um, just trying to keep his legs fresh, I guess. Uh, but he's still he's still probably three weeks away. So what is, what is this team without Austin Matthews? The onus is on John Tavares, Mitch Marner, Nazem Kadri. They need to step up in his absence. They are seeing increased minutes. We saw Marner and Tavares play great on Thursday against Dallas, and they just couldn't finish. And if you play that game a hundred times, Marner and Tavares probably finish a lot more than they did, and the Leafs win that game. But they didn't, and they lost. The onus is on Patrick Marlowe, Kasperi Kapanen, Connor Brown, Zach Hyman. These guys need to contribute and provide secondary offense. Without Austin Matthews, and you want if you want to debate whether Matthews or Tavares is the better player on the team, who's the number one center, yada, yada, yada. Without Matthews in the lineup, they need a collective effort to replace that contribution. Uh, and we finally see Marlowe scores a goal. Uh, Hyman finally gets on the board with a, a fluky shorthanded goal at the end of the game. Uh, Kapanen has been good. I've got people trying to compare Kasperi Kapanen and tell me he is better than William Nylander. And I'm just not buying it. I really, 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 I love Kasperi Kapanen. He is not William Nylander. People, I think, are forgetting what William Nylander can do because we haven't seen him in so long and we haven't seen him at all this season. And for all the depth that was touted in the offseason regarding this team, uh, they're down two of their top five forwards when you consider Matthews' shoulder injury and the fact that William Nylander is out. Those two guys, combined with Tavares, Marner, Kadri, and Marlowe, those are your, your top six players, even if they weren't all going to be you know, on the top six lines or the top two lines. Um, those are your top six forwards, and they're without two of them right now. And, and find me a team in the league that's really going to you know, thrive in a situation where they're down two of their top five or six forwards. So we need to see more consistent play from some of those secondary players. Uh, otherwise, it's going to be, like I said, just a very, very uneven, inconsistent stint without Austin Matthews. And I'm sick of talking about William Nylander's contract situation. I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards being on his side, I think, just because so many people are, are taking the side of the front office. Um, but I really just am sick of talking about it, and I want it resolved. And that's not to say that I want either side to cave, but I just I've got I've got contract talk fatigue, and I really really hope that we don't have to go through this again when Marner and Matthews are up uh, in the summer. And, and God, I hope that neither of them hold out into the season, and we have to do this all over again. Uh, I really just I want to see William play. And like I said, I, I feel like so many people have forgotten how good he is and people are slandering him left, right, and center in, in group chats and, and conversations and stuff like that. And I just, I want to see him back in the lineup. I think he's got an opportunity. He's, 
If he signs, you know, before this December 1st deadline, I said it last week, I think he's got an opportunity to prove himself to the team and to the fans and to the front office how much he's worth if he can come in and, and thrive without Matthews and, you know, be a, a source of offense and, and not a savior, but a contributor in a time when the team is without one of their top players. I think he will prove his long-term value if he if he is able to come in and play some significant minutes and do well without Austin Matthews in the lineup. Uh, so that's the weekly William Nylander rant, and I, uh, I really hope it does get resolved soon. Uh, but a player who is in the lineup and who has been playing fantastic is Morgan Riley. Two goals on Saturday night against Pittsburgh. Uh, he is now up to 18 points in 14 games. Is that correct? Am I reading this right? Are my eyes deceiving me? Morgan Riley, 18 points in 14 games. He and Mitch Marner, both 18 points in 14 games. That is a 105-point pace for the regular season. Is it sustainable? No. Is it awesome? Hell yeah, it's awesome. And it's exactly what you want to see if you're a Leafs fan because you hear all the time about this defensive corp and how you know poor it is. And if Morgan Riley can turn into a, a number one defenseman that people think he can be, that goes a long way in shoring up some of those uh, defensive deficiencies, we should say. And let's look at the team's goals against over the last five or six games. And let's not include empty net goals. So Saturday night in Pittsburgh, zero. Thursday, two. Monday against Calgary, two. Saturday against Winnipeg, two. So that's three games in a row of only allowing two goals per game and then a shutout. The game before that, Winnipeg, two. The game before that, St. Louis, three. The game before that, Pittsburgh, three. L.A., one. Washington, two. The Leafs have not given up, and then before that, Detroit, three. The Leafs have not given up more than three non-empty net goals in a game since October 9th against Dallas when they won 7-4. Those back-to-back games where they gave they gave up uh, five to Ottawa, six to Chicago, and four to Dallas. Since then, three or less in every game since. In was that nine games? Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten games. Three goals or less, not including empty netters, in ten consecutive games. And you're telling me this is a team that can't play defense? I disagree. I really disagree. The games they've lost over the last week and a half, two weeks, is because they haven't been able to score. And we've already highlighted why they haven't been able to score. They're missing their number one scorer, and they're missing another good offensive young player. So stop telling me that they need to trade William Nylander for a defenseman. Ten games in a row, three goals against or less, excluding empty netters. Defense and goaltending have not been the problem for the Leafs so far this season. And Travis Dermott, now that he's healthy, needs to, you know, make a case for increased minutes and, and make a case that he's a, a reason why those numbers are down. Uh, and would like to see him earn some more opportunities in the lineup as well. He missed those two games being sick against Winnipeg, and then he was a healthy scratch for one game. Uh, but would like to see him continue to take a step forward in his development this season. So talked about guys on offense who the onus is on for secondary contribution. 
Same goes on the defensive end for Travis Dermott. Continued improved play from him. And I've liked Igor Ozhiganov so far. I think he's been solid. For a guy who's playing on the third pair, a little bit of PK time, He's he's been good in my books. And in net, Freddie Anderson, no October struggle this year. A couple of bad games, but those were early on. He's found his groove. And Garrett Sparks hasn't played in three weeks, but we're probably going to see him uh, once a week in each of the next three weeks. If you look at the schedule, they've got a back-to-back at the end of this week, a Friday at home against New Jersey, and then in Boston on Saturday. So we'll probably see him in Boston on Saturday as the Leafs return to the scene of the crime in the uh, from that Game 7 loss in last year's playoffs. And maybe a good thing that Frederick Anderson won't have to start, uh, won't have to deal with that just yet. So we'll probably see Sparks Saturday in Boston. Then the following week, they've got a back-to-back Thursday, Friday in San Jose and in Anaheim. Uh, and as much as you want to say, well, maybe Anderson will get the second game being in Anaheim, unlikely. Two years ago when it was his first year with the Leafs, uh, that's how that trip shaped up, uh, that the second game was in Anaheim. Anderson didn't get the start. It was Jonas Enroth, uh, still Jonas Enroth at that time. So it was Enroth uh, who got the start. Uh, so we'll probably see Sparks on Friday in Anaheim, and then the following week they've got a back-to-back on the Friday and the Saturday, Friday in Columbus, Saturday at home against the Flyers. So we'll probably see Garrett Sparks at least once in each of the next three weeks. And while it will have been about three and a half weeks since he last played, it's important for him to be sharp. He's 1-1 one one this year. He only got that start against L.A. because Frederick Anderson was injured. And before that, I'm sorry, he's 2-0. It just feels like he's 1-1 one one because of that game uh, in Chicago. He gave up six goals, but they won 7-6 in overtime. So he's 2-0 this year. And Mike Babcock has said in all the time that he's been here that he wants his backup goaltender to be 500 or better. And right now, Sparks 2-0. Uh, and an opportunity uh, to uh, increase those numbers in the next three weeks. The schedule this week, Tuesday, they will host the Vegas Golden Knights, who uh, have seen some of their shine fall off from previous from last year. They're 6-7-1 this year after being a top team in the Western Conference last year, uh, and poor on the road. So that's Tuesday night, they'll host the Golden Knights. Friday, they will host the New Jersey Devils, and that is the annual Hockey Hall of Fame game, and this year's class gets inducted. And then Saturday, they will head on the road to Boston to take on the Bruins, as I mentioned, a return to the the House of Horrors and that Game 7 loss from last April's playoffs. It was an inconsistent week last week with three varied performances and three varied results. What do the Leafs have in store for us this week in another set of three games? Quick note on the uh, Toronto Blue Jays as the offseason rolls along. We talked last week about Charlie Montoyo being named the uh, new club manager. Uh, A couple of moves were announced over the weekend that the team is uh, letting go of first base slash outfield coach Canadian Tim Leeper and hitting coach Brooke Jacoby has been fired as well. So at least two openings uh, up on Montoyo's staff. There are rumblings that uh, third base and infield coach Louis Rivera will be retained. Uh, probably a 
smart decision. He seems to have uh, worked well with the infielders uh, and some of the Latin American players as well. So uh, it appears that Louis Rivera will remain. No firm word yet on if pitching coach Pete Walker will be retained or not. Uh, those are the four, um, or I guess there's uh, five main positions, pitching pitching coach, hitting coach, first base, third base, and bench coach. So no word yet on the uh, status of bench coach DeMarlo Hale, pitching coach Pete Walker, and third base coach Louis Rivera, although initial reports, as I mentioned, appear to indicate that Rivera will be retained. We, uh, we'll, we'll wait and see on Walker and on DeMarlo Hale. Uh, I think uh, Walker is a, a pretty well-respected guy around the game, and uh, I think if you want to maintain some level of, of continu- continuity throughout the organization, uh, I think uh, Pete Walker is a good candidate to uh, to stay on uh, and to continue working uh, with this staff, who he's, he's done a largely uh, good job with. Uh, the struggles that they've had over the last couple of years are primarily injury-related, and, and when guys have been healthy and in the building, he's he's made the most out of, uh, out of what he's had. So I, I would not uh, at all be opposed to seeing uh, Pete Walker retained, uh, same goes for DeMarlo Hale. We don't really know what uh, impact uh, he has other than the fact that he was always the guy who took over after Gibby got tossed. Uh, but again, I, th- I think if you want some level of uh, continuity throughout the organization when a new guy comes in, he usually wants to bring in some of his own people. But uh, I think probably a good idea to have some familiar voices in the room for this team as uh, we, we know they are uh, in a transitional era. Uh, I don't think they need to uh, you know fully clean house on the coaching side, but uh, that remains to be seen. Uh, free agency is uh, technically open, but unlike uh, hockey and basketball and football, when you see a flurry of signings in the in the first days after uh, free agency opens, uh, baseball much more of a slow burn, uh, and we'll see some uh, some transactions more towards the middle of the month. The Blue Jays are not expected to be major players in free agency, uh, but all eyes will be on the likes of Manny Machado. Uh, and Bryce Harper as the two marquee free agents. Uh, rumblings about the Yankees being interested in both of those, uh, which would obviously be bad news for Blue Jays fans. But those are the names that we're going to be keeping an eye on. And uh, as soon as the uh, hot stove in the MLB free agent market really kicks off, we'll we'll break it all down here on the 416 Sports Show. Let's wrap up with the seven-day schedule starting on Monday evening, November 5th. Week 9 of the NFL season wraps up at 8.15 when the Tennessee Titans head to Big D to take on the Dallas Cowboys, who will debut new wide receiver Amari Cooper. Uh, And then shortly after that, a 9 o'clock tip-off in Utah when the Raptors host the Jazz. On Tuesday night, a 7 o'clock puck drop down at Scotiabank Arena. The Vegas Golden Knights make their second-ever trip to Toronto when they take on the Maple Leafs. Wednesday evening, it's a late one. Get your coffee ready. A 10 o'clock start as the Raptors are in Sacramento to take on the Kings. Thursday night, we'll see the beginning of Week 10 in the National Football League when the 6-2 Carolina Panthers visit the 5-2-1 Pittsburgh Steelers. On Friday at 7 o'clock, it's the Hockey Hall of Fame game down at Scotiabank Arena when the New Jersey Devils are here to take on the Leafs' Martin Brodeur among the class. Uh, so a good nod to see the Devils in town for that for that game. Saturday, uh, both teams are in action. It's a 3 o'clock tip-off, an early start on Saturday when the New York Knicks come to town to take on the Raptors. Gives you plenty, in t- plenty of time to watch that game, rest, regroup, and uh, then watch the Leafs take on the Bruins at 7 o'clock down in Beantown. And then on Sunday, no Toronto teams in action on Remembrance Day, but a full slate, or uh, not quite a full slate, but a uh, 
a heavy slate of Week 10 action in the NFL, with uh, the primetime game being an NFC East showdown as the Dallas Cowboys visit the Philadelphia Eagles. Again, that is Week 10 action in the NFL. So three games each for the Leafs and the Raptors that we're going to keep our eye on over the course of the next seven days. And then next Monday, we'll break it all down again on the 416 Sports Show. I thank you for taking the time this week to join me on the 416 Sports Show and hope you will do so again next week. You can find the show on SoundCloud, Google, iTunes, wherever else you get your podcasts. Please leave a review, a rating, and uh, make a recommendation to anyone who you think might be interested in the show. You can find me, Matt Antonio, on Twitter, at the Nick, D-I underscore N-I-C. Thanks so much for listening, Toronto. Have a great week. See you next time.